0: You guys look rested, um, which means you either uh, didn't party, um, you slept, or you're a professional. You know, you, you could stay up late and un, unfazed. So either way, you have my respect. Um, we're going to go to scripture. We're starting a brand new sermon series that we're going to be in for the entire month of January. I'm really excited about this series. I think it's going to clarify so much for us. Um, the, the genesis of this series for me came from this past, these past couple of months taking a deeper dive into the Gospels, and I kept seeing this phrase that Jesus kept using, and what I realized is the way I interpreted or internalized this phrase actually was very different than what Jesus meant it. And and as I've wrestled with this, I believe actually all of us can benefit from actually leaning our ear closer to Jesus and hearing what exactly did he mean when he used this phrase. I'm going to read scripture. We're going to look at two verses for context. And again, this series, we're going to dive into a lot of scripture. But today, it's kind of just a day to frame where we're heading over this month. The first verse is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 7 to 10 This is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. He says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven would you join me in prayer father thank you for just the absolute gift that it is to begin a brand new year together and worship in your presence intentionally seeking you lord the, the very first day of this year as a community so lord we pray you would speak to us we come with expectant hearts Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus. Reveal the scriptures to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, um, I don't know if this has been your experience or you've seen this at work, but there is there's a big difference between the way we hear something and the way we interpret what we hear. Have you ever seen that? Uh, so let me give you an example. Um, I think women uh, that are married in this room, uh, you will uh, like this, but it might also make you a little sad um, because you'll realize this is a phenomenon. You're not alone. This just seems to be genetically hardwired into men. Um, How many women have experienced you tell your husband, significant other and say, hey, can you can you clean this? Can you can you take care of the living room or take care of the kitchen? And the husband, dutifully, because he loves you, says, yes, absolutely. Now, women, with a show of hands, in your mind, you mean right now, right? (laughs) Right? You mean right now. When you ask, can you do this, you mean right now. And when the man said yes, he meant it's going to get done. (laughs) But it's probably likely not now, you know? And and so there's something that was said and there's two vastly different interpretations or how many have ever had the joy of trying to get uh, kids to clean their room or do chores that's fun isn't it right the definitions of clean your room and then you can go out and then you go inspect what they believe is clean and what the rest of the world would argue is a biohazard like it's The the way we hear things and interpret things are very different. And there's something that Jesus says in the Gospels, and and maybe you've read it directly or you've heard this term, this idea. Chances are you've heard this concept because it's actually a very powerful concept. And what I want to wrestle with this morning is that there's a difference between the way we hear it, how we interpret it, And what Jesus is actually saying to us. And the phrase I want us to wrestle with is this phrase called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. If you just read the gospels on a cursory level, you'll see it multiple times. Jesus uses this phrase. How many Uh, have have come across that in your readings of the Gospels. Or maybe you've heard of this term. In fact, there was a very popular movie um, with this term, Kingdom of God. And for most of us, we've been hardwired to interpret that phrase when we hear it, probably the vast majority of us think of heaven. When we hear Jesus say that, we think of a destination called heaven, the Kingdom of God. Of God, and so all sorts of images come up for us. And if that's you, you're not alone. I was there uh, there for a lot of years. But the 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 crazy thing that Jesus is actually saying when he uses this phrase is actually he's not talking about a destination. When he says the kingdom of God, so for instance, when Mark chapter one, his first message. And he begins to proclaim and he's saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Or when he tells us in, in Matthew 6 to pray that the kingdom would come, he's actually not talking about a place. He's talking about his rule. The word for the kingdom in the New Testament is this word called basileia. And what this word means is an act of kingly rule. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's not referring to a destination. He's actually referring to this idea of the king ruling, the king having influence, the king having dominion and exerting his authority. One one writer talked about that the kingdom of God, one way of understanding it is this idea of life as God would have it. And that's a key idea to wrestle with, life as God would have it, the recognition that there is a difference, a vast difference between life as we experience it and life as God would have it. So many of us experience really challenging, negative, difficult things, and we associate those challenging, negative, difficult things with God's will for us, But actually, there's things that we experience that is just what, it's not what God would have for us. It's not his will for us, but it's what we experience. So there's a tension there that we have to recognize. See, the way Jesus described the kingdom of God being at hand, he also described it as something that was not fully here. So he talked about the kingdom his rule, his influence, his authority is something that was already here but not yet fully here. So there was this tension. So like in Mark's gospel he says the kingdom of God is at hand, but then he tells us in Matthew, pray that the kingdom would keep coming, that more of it would come. And so the way Jesus describes his kingdom is that it's here now but that it also will progressively increase. It's kind of like cleaning the house. How many clean? How many people here consider themselves a clean freak? You wave, you raise that hand proudly, right? It's like yes, and it's my burden to live with pigs. You know, I'm so misunderstood. I'm not a control freak. I just want things in order. Um, how do I know that language so well? Because my wife is one of you. And so, and she, her burden in life is that she's stuck with five people that are really not great at it. And so what, what do we see happen in my home? Maybe it happens in the same, same in yours. You make progress, you clean the house, but if you're that clean freak person You're never fully at peace because you know, even as the house is being cleaned, dishes are being made. Pillows are being disheveled. The couch doesn't look exactly as you thought. The surfaces aren't clear. People aren't puttering enough. They aren't. (laughs) There's too much clutter. It's being cleaned, but it's not fully cleaned. There's this tension. That's kind of what a good way of wrapping our minds around the way Jesus describes his kingdom. It's here. It's transforming. It's powerfully changing. But yet we still see some mess. We still see some things that haven't been touched up and changed and transformed So what that means for us, if if Jesus is describing his kingdom as something that's already here but not yet fully, what it means for us is that we live in this in-between phase. We live in what one writer called the overlap of the ages. We live at a time where the kingdom of God is here but it's not fully here. The kingdom will be fully realized in the future. There is one day the scriptures promise us that in the future there is a day that Jesus promised to fulfill that his kingdom will be fully realized. There is a scriptural promise that one day there will be no injustice, that that people will will beat their weapons of war into plowshares, that, that, that justice will be in this world. That's a future promise that we await. And what gives us confidence? Why does that not feel like pie in the sky for us? Because for us, we look at the empty tomb of Jesus, and that's God's promissory note. That's God letting us know what I did in the body of my son. One day you're going to see full renewal in all that you see around you. No injustice, no poverty, no crime, no, n- none of the brokenness that we see. One day that will be fully realized. But in the moment that we're in now, in the in-between, we see both life and we see loss. We see beauty and we see chaos. You see, for us, we pray for the sick in Jesus' name and we see him miraculously heal people while at the same time we see people deal with sickness and struggle with infertility, and we get bad reports from the doctor. We see God's work of justice breaking in the world, and we experience moments of transformation and beauty and reconciliation, while at the same time we see moments of injustice multiplying. We live in the overlap where we see beauty, but we still see chaos and brokenness. Why does this matter for us to identify what Jesus is describing as his kingdom and how we live within it? Because we are a people, what defines us as followers of Jesus is that we have put, his, put our faith in his proclamation of good news. That Jesus declares good news to our world, and we have believed that good news, and that good news we openly share with others because we believe if you believe the good news of Jesus, your life can be transformed too, but not just your life. We believe that the good news of Jesus is actually what the world is looking for, what the world is missing. That it's the absence of faith in the good news that results in the ongoing brokenness and decay that we see all around us. But it's distinct what we believe. When we say we believe the gospel, the good news, it's important to identify what we actually mean by that. I remember I was on a Zoom call and there was a bunch of pastors and leaders from all over the world and we were hearing this incredible report of what God was doing in this certain part of the world. I'm going to keep the details vague Um, just for the sake of anonymity and privacy. And I was really encouraged by some things I was hearing that were happening in a part of the world that you don't always hear um, just good news and, and God at work. But I remember there was this guy on the call, someone who I really respect, and I know him enough that I could read his body language, even over Zoom, and I could tell, like, there was something irking him, like, as he was hearing this good news. And afterwards, when I kind of picked his brain, and said, hey, what, was, what were you processing? He was like, it was the way they described the gospel. I said, what was, what was troubling you? He said, they describe the good news as if it's like beliefs, ideas that we believe about God that are separate from Jesus but actually the good news is Jesus himself the gospel is Jesus the good news that the world is searching for is Jesus himself and that moment really struck me because what we believe as followers of Jesus is that the world is off track whenever it doesn't fully acknowledge that Jesus is the good news that we're searching for, but particularly that the good news of Jesus is that he is the king that we're looking for. He is the king that the world is searching for. And so for us, when we believe in the good news of Jesus, we believe it's good news to serve Jesus, our good king. You say, I'm still not following. Let me, let, me, let me get even more specific. You and I, to experience the transforming power of Jesus, it's not enough to just believe good ideas about Jesus without submitting to him as a good king. In other words, I can't go around believing that Jesus died for me that he bore my sin that he rose from the dead but then consciously in areas of my life reject his rule and his reign that's not fully believing the good news cuz that's actually what our world is experiencing all the time our world wants beauty it wants justice it wants equity it doesn't want a king and it doesn't want Jesus as king and so it wants what Jesus alone could deliver without submitting to Jesus What we believe is that it's in his rule, his reign, in submitting to him that we find good news. And so, if we believe this, what does it actually mean to believe this while we find ourselves, in what I shared earlier, living in the overlap of the ages, Living in this in between where we see God's beauty, we see His goodness, but we still see brokenness, we still see injustice. I'll give you one example. I knew this guy that he actually had, um, had lost like significant circulation in his legs. And as a result, he really struggled to actually like do basic things, not just walk, but even sitting for long periods of time were really painful for him. Sleeping was really tough. And so what did he do? Because he believed that Jesus is real and present and that the kingdom of God is at hand, that it's near, he would actually go and receive prayer constantly. He actually counted. He received prayer for healing 400 times. And of those 400 times... He didn't get better. And then one time, after the 400th time, he was in a small group and people were worshiping and praying and studying scripture. And somebody who didn't know all the details of his condition said, Hey, I, f- I feel like God wants to touch your legs. Are you experiencing pain in your legs? And this guy, could you imagine receiving prayer 400 times and not being healed? I commend the guy's faith. I mean, 150 would have been really amazing. (laughs) 400 times. But he went and got prayer that 401st time. And the very next day, he felt feeling in his legs that he had not felt in years. And the pain alleviated. When When asking him, what made you actually put yourself out there again and believe He said, well, I believe the kingdom of God is present. It's always at hand. It's near. It's accessible. It's available. So if we don't believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, what we'll do is we'll just simply accept brokenness in this life. We won't believe that God can transform. We won't believe that God can heal. We won't believe that he could intervene. And we'll be like like that man, except that we won't take that next step of faith. We won't continue to press in. We'll just accept what's before us. But the opposite, actually, is equally concerning. See, if we don't understand that the kingdom of God is already here, but not yet fully, then what tends to happen is we will attribute the absence of a miracle to our lack of faith will think, oh, if the kingdom of God is here, then I should always be healed. I should always walk in victory. I should never struggle. I should never have pain. I should never have difficulty because the kingdom of God is here. But what we see the way Jesus described his kingdom is that there is both life and there is death happening in this present age. He's active. He's at hand. We should believe that God can transform our world. If we don't believe that the kingdom of God is here, we'll see injustice, violence, poverty, and say, well, there's nothing that we could do about it. No, but because we believe his kingdom is here, we advocate, we push for change. We want to see his justice come in this world. But we also know that we won't ever fully see the full realization of his kingdom in this life until he returns. So what that means for us is that we wrestle with this tension of not accepting the fall and the brokenness of this world, but also not beating ourselves up and thinking that God is not present if we see injustice and difficulty and struggle. We learn to live in this tension You know, I I became a Christian when I was 14 years old, and so this coming year, I'll be 43. It's a long time I've been following Jesus. And so at this point, some of the things that make me laugh the most are, like, weird things that you could only know about if you grew up in church. You know, like weird church culturisms. Uh, And so this, if you didn't grow up in church, you might not have experienced this. If you did you're going to experience potentially some PTSD. And so um, I remember seeing folks in church, and this was a common experience, when people would say, how are you, brother? And the responses were amazing. Blessed and highly favored. It's like, I mean, I'm not doubting that. But like... Can you give me some details in between the lines? You know, like, what, what's, how are you really? And, and why that would be jarring is because in the back room, private, when you talk to some of these folks and you realize, oh, you're blessed and highly favored, but also you sound really stressed. Life seems to be kicking you in the head right now. Your marriage isn't in a good place, your kids are struggling, your career, like, so, oh, it's, it's both and. But I think why sometimes as Christians we're not comfortable with actually giving voice to the brokenness, the stuff that we're still struggling because I think some of us, we have an idea that because Jesus is in my life, because the kingdom is here, everything should be great, shouldn't it? Shouldn't I be content at all times? Shouldn't I have like a smile on my face always? Shouldn't like... Shouldn't my experience be that someone slaps me in the face and I say more? You know, like it, it it like we we struggle with we struggle with this idea of that we can't feel dissonance, we can't feel struggle and disappointment. And yet, look at what the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 and onward. I want you to hear these words. This is scripture. This is God speaking to us, describing the Christian experience. I hope this brings healing, hope, balance, because look at what Paul says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair This is a very different response than the churchy response I grew up around. How are you, brother? I didn't hear. Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. How you doing, sister? I didn't hear. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. How are you? How was your week? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Man, how was 2022? Man, I was struck down, but not destroyed. This is what Paul describes our life in this in-between, the overlap of the ages. The kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully. We experience what feels like these extremes. And so the normal Christian experience is one where you carry in your body the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus. Right now I'm sure if you think long and hard there's probably areas in your life that feel like utter death and despair. And then there's other areas of your life that feel hopeful and you see God at work. That's because we're in this the overlap of the ages. The kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully. You experience victory in one area of your life, but you feel struggle in another. You feel hope, but you also feel doubt and worry. And if you're like me, perhaps you beat yourself up for the moments that you don't feel really strong, that you don't feel like everything is lining up as you believe it should. I hope what's happening today and as we dig into this tension of the kingdom being here and not yet fully is that we begin to normalize both of those things. I want us as, a, as followers of Jesus to be the greatest advocates for the life of God to be fully realized in us and through us that we really press into all that Jesus has for us, that we, that we walk in healing emotional, in, in whole selves emotionally, that our marriages are intact, that our relationships are flourishing, that we, we experience heaven on earth in all these areas of our life, but I also want us to realize that we will experience that life while we will also experience death and struggle and disappointment and heartache, and that God is equally present when his life is at work in us and when we also face the darkness and the brokenness in our world. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not fully here. And when we live in this tension, it's an invitation for us to not accept The vestiges of the fall, the things that come from disobedience and rejecting God, because now we've been made new creations, but also to live into that new reality with some reality. And the reality being that we will still have bad days. We will experience setbacks and rejection and difficulty. And when that happens, according to Jesus, those moments are not a diminishment of his kingdom being present. Actually, his kingdom is equally present during those bad moments, during those disappointments. I've seen God do some of the most amazing miracles in my life. I've seen him heal people of diseases, that doctors had no explanation for. But I've also seen dear friends and loved ones buried that we have questions about and wonder why. I've seen God provide for people in supernatural ways. I've seen people start businesses and flourish. I've seen people lose their homes and lose their jobs. I've seen the church be mobilized by Jesus to push against oppression and injustice in the world. And then I've also seen the church sometimes be a participant in injustice and brokenness in the world. We live in the tension, the overlap of the ages. So let's be mindful that the kingdom of God is here. Let's not let the darkness and the brokenness of our present experience tell us that God isn't at work. He's here. Jesus said the kingdom is here, but he also described it as not yet fully. So those areas where you don't yet fully see the rule and reign of God, continue to press in, continue to wait, continue to believe But don't let the absence of God's rule in those areas tell you that God's not at work. Because Jesus described his work in these ways. I'm excited to see where God's going to take us over these next couple weeks. If your curiosity is intrigued and piqued, I invite you to come with Bibles and come ready to study and learn. Because Jesus has much to teach us about this idea of his kingdom being already here but not yet fully. With that, I want to invite us to stand. As we stand, I want to invite us to receive communion together. Hopefully, when you came in, you received the communion cup. But if you did not, if you would just so kindly raise your hand and just leave your hand as high as you can, and someone's going to come around momentarily and give you... what you need to participate at this moment. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse 23, says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread at this time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. For your broken body that was broken for our healing, for our restoration, first and foremost to restore us in relationship with the Father. And we thank you that by your wounds we are made whole. Let's receive the body together. prepare to receive the cup in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes let's pray Lord Jesus, we thank you not just for your broken body but for your shed blood. The scripture tells us that through your sacrifice we are given confidence to boldly come before the Father. That our guilt and shame is washed away when we put our faith in what you have done on our behalf. Lord, thank you that you invite us to come to your table and receive by faith what you offer to us through grace. We receive the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could I invite us, could we raise our hands in the presence of God? It's a posture of surrender posture to receive. In these next few moments as we worship together, the prayer team is in the back, to my right, to your left. At any given moment over these next few moments of song and prayer, if you would like prayer for anything, the words that were shared earlier, anything the message might have stirred or anything you're going through, we encourage you to slip out of your seat over these next few moments and go to the back. They would love to pray with you. Let's worship Him together.